Well, we'll keep you posted, but... 5-4, Johns Hopkins. Bottom of the fifth inning, they got a home run in the top half of the fifth. They have the lead on Lynchburg, but bases loaded. Bottom of the fifth inning for the Lynchburg Hornets. How many outs? Um, good question. Uh, one out in the bottom half of the fifth inning. Thank you, Trey, for that. Uh, Pitcher's in the jam. Hey, uh, he is. What can Lynchburg do with that? We will find out a little bit later. But we welcome in Mike Neff, OG for FrontStretch.com. Are you coming to us live from the Redneck Riviera of Myrtle Beach, Neff? I am, my friend. I'm actually sitting in my car in the parking lot of the Duplin Winery in North Myrtle Beach, sampling a little bit of their uh, muscadine-based wine after a uh, long day at work and getting ready to just unwind for the day. But I thought I would jump on and uh, spend a little time with Mr. Ed Lane that I haven't talked to in like a year, I don't think. Yeah, it's been far too long, and we always are uh, grateful whenever we can connect with you. Uh, And it always does bring a little added touch to my heart when I know that you're coming to us from the Redneck Riviera. Uh, As many folks in Martinsville will know, that was one of my favorite places to poke fun at. Uh, But jokes about that aside, Neff. And hey, before we get carried away, don't forget, it's Carolina Country Music Festival in Myrtle Beach this weekend. So we are overrun with Rednecks this weekend. Yeah, Ed. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, I, I, you know, I thought about going. As someone and who may, then I thought no. Someone who may have went to a very rednecky high school, um, I, uh, I appreciate the redneck Riviera. You know, you should, and I mean, I, I, heck, that's part of what got me into NASCAR. Even though I've never been to Myrtle salt Beach, salt of the earth people. Yes. Uh, well, you how miss- have you never been to Myrtle Beach? Because I go to Buxton every year, like a real beach. Right. Wow, you are missing out on the finest beach east of the Mississippi River. It's just absolutely difficult for Neff to comprehend that. By the way, quick update. Jackson Harding cleared the bases with a double, so Lynchburg now leads Johns Hopkins 7-5, bottom of the fifth inning. Winner wins the NCAA Division Three College World Series, so we'll keep you posted on that uh, as that continues to develop. Neff, shifting away from all of that to NASCAR itself, and there are a ton of different stories that could be brought yeah, up. Yeah, there are. <laughs> Chase Elliott. He was the one who was suspended for aggressive driving, but nothing happening to Austin Cindric this past week. Double standard or reasonable? I mean, I, they're trying to say that according to the, the telemetry, it is not a double standard. But based on the eye test, I mean, I watched it, and it sure as heck looked to me like the two car went to the left and made contact, which to me was the same thing that had happened with Chase Elliott. So I I thought it was a double standard, uh, which is weird because you think the double standard would go the other way with NASCAR's most popular driver. But for some reason, they they felt that Cindric did not aggressively turn him. But, boy, it sure looked like it on the replays that I watched. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was kind of the perception on it, and I, I, I'm with you on the Chase Elliott theory. Um, how much of the suspension for Chase Elliott do you believe was because of the backlash of Denny Hamlin and how loud Hamlin was about that, much more so, obviously, than the Cindric incident, where Hamlin had a voice but was not seemingly calculated in using the Fox broadcast to get his opinions out there? In all honesty, I felt like it was more the fans than it was Denny Hamlin. 
it seemed to me that there was a lot of uproar out of the overall NASCAR fan base about Chase being the golden boy and they're not going to step up and hit him with a, a suspension because he's the most popular driver because of his stature in the sport. And I honestly felt like NASCAR almost went out of their way to suspend him just to show the fans, hey, we aren't playing a favorite when it comes to Chase Elliott. Steven Stump did talk to Austin Dillon after the race for FrontStretch.com, and Austin Dillon did call for a suspension. Just want to throw that in there. Yes, well, there seemed to be that sentiment out there when it comes to NASCAR. Um, As far as drivers, does that get heightened a little bit more now that the news came out today that Noah Gregson, uh, noted for his success in the Xfinity Series, almost winning a championship last year, much more than a subpar rookie season in the Cup Series, but that the concussion that Gregson sustained at St. Louis is going to keep him out this week at Sonoma. And therefore, does that maybe put more of an emphasis on NASCAR to continue to be uh, maybe siding on the side of caution with these cars because it doesn't seem like the concussion issues have fully been resolved? Yeah, I think that there's still a work in progress for sure. Uh, I honestly have been a little surprised that we haven't seen more advancement on the helmet front with these concussions. I know that there's some new designs coming out, and there are some pieces that they're they're testing to try to minimize impact with the head. But it, the, the, the cars are still a work in progress for sure, and that's why after every race they're taking these cars back to the R&D center. And as a interesting side note, people are getting fined for modified parts. But I, I really think they're taking these cars back and tearing them down to, to try to make these cars better and make them, I don't want to say safer, but less rigid so that there is less of a toll on the driver when there is some kind of an impact. Mike Neff, frontstretch.com, M. Neff Short Track. And of course, he's also with the Racing Brotherhood Foundation, which does a lot of great work uh, in the racing community. And we'll ask a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Um, Kyle Busch, he got the victory. Is he flying under the radar this year? I don't know that he's flying under the radar. I mean, he's got he's tied for the most wins in the series. I think the one that's flying under the radar, and I'm ashamed to admit I didn't realize it until a friend of mine shared it with me today, but his crew chief, Randall Burnett, has the most wins in the last 34 cup races that have been run because he had three last year with Tyler Reddick, and he has three this year with Kyle Busch. So he's got six wins in the last 34 races. So uh, Randy is a personal friend of mine. I used to work on his late model back when he was a racer himself. And uh, he has... The marriage of those two seems to be really working out. I think some of it is convenient timing because I honestly believe now that Brexton is at an age where he's racing more and he and Kyle are spending more time at the track, that seems to have kind of mellowed Kyle out a lot. I think we're not really seeing angry Kyle near as much as we used to. And then you put in somebody like Randall with his personality being just so mellow and so level-headed. You put those two together, and I think you're really seeing a tandem that, if they can get the short track cars figured out, is really going to be a challenge for the other teams to beat. 
it's kind of scary to think about from a driver and team perspective as it relates to that. Um, meanwhile, you look at organizations. How much does Kyle Busch's success throw a, uh, maybe a wrench is the right word into it, but disrupt the idea that this season has become Hendrick versus Gibbs? Or is it still basically that with a couple of outliers here and there? Well, I don't, I think there's more than that even. I mean, I, in all honesty, the RFK group has really done well this year. You still got the track house guys that are putting on good shows every now and then. But yeah, between RCR, um, winning, you know, with Kyle and, and Austin Dillon's efforts stepping up too, I think it, I think it started last year with Tyler. I think Tyler put some pressure on Austin and RCR as a group to kind of get better, and they really seem to. And now this year, that has continued. But, I, yeah, I don't think – I think the, between Trackhouse and RFK um, and even 2311, I mean, everybody has got guys – that are that are putting good races together. Uh, right now, it just may be that RCR has gotten a little bit more consistent um, as the year has gone along. Who's the next first-time winner for this season in NASCAR? A guy who hasn't won this year. It could be a prior winner. could be a first-time winner all around. Who's got your attention the most? Hell, you know, i got to try and remember who's already won versus who hasn't won. Um, Can I throw I mean, some I'm, names out there to help with that? To be fair, I mean, Chase Elliott has has got to be on the radar for this weekend. Um, between he and Tyler Reddick, both of them won three of the last ten road course races. So those guys are obviously going to be on the radar. Um, other than that, I, I think Suarez will probably be right up in there. Um uh, that's probably who I got my eye on the most. I've got to do it. Trey's going to laugh. Go ahead. <laughs> How close are we to getting Ty Gibbs a victory? Or is this getting further away, in fact, because he now has gotten these top five runs where he's up there, but then he wrecks out? I think mean, it's still just learning. I mean, I think I've, in talking with people that worked with Ty at the late model level, um, they knew he was special. And I've, I've had arguments with several of my friends that are at the, the national level about, you know, them thinking that he's the silver spoon and he's getting advantages that others don't, which he is. I mean, let's be fair. If my grandpa owned the freaking thing, I would want to ride too. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But the fact that he continues to get better and continues to learn and improve I, I i'm i would be very surprised if we do not have a ty gibbs victory before the regular season comes to an end boom there you go you feel a lot better now you know it, it warms my heart he's been my dark horse for a while although i don't think i've got him as the dark horse to win the cup race maybe the xfinity race hey wait a minute not the cup wait race. a minute yes his first win in the major three series was on a road course, so oh, that's a good point, Trey. Yeah, but this, this Xfinity race is so loaded. Uh, I will be shocked if he's top, even top five, because there's there's like seven Cup guys in there. There's a couple road course. AJ Allmendinger will pieces. win the Xfinity I mean, race. Yeah, all, I mean everybody's all on the Allmendinger bandwagon, but there's there's Kyle a few Larson. guys. And I mean, let's face it, all guys do. He got hosed this past weekend. Oh, no doubt about it. He uh, he is 
He was in position until the late Portland shenanigans popped up, as they often do in the Xfinity series. Speaking of series, not NASCAR Cup series. This 24-hour of Le Mans, and then, of course, just the Le Mans racing circuit in general. NASCAR has started to gain traction with their involvement in putting a car together with it. And uh, apparently, Jim Rick Hendrick's granddaughter is sending TikTok videos of this. I didn't even know he had a smartphone that he could use like that. But, hey, I'll take him <laughs> at his word for it. Um, what does this really mean for NASCAR getting involved in other circuits? Well, I mean, they... You know they've got interest in the IMSA to begin with, so there's there's interest there for sure. I, I think it just is a recognition of the the global advancement of sports car racing in general, and I, and I think that they're embracing and adding of road courses and um, God forbid the street course thing that's coming up um, has really. It's just a matter of, of of chasing the audience that is is growing. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with F one. F one's audience is growing tremendously, and you've got a ton of um, of Formula One races in North America this year. So it's the, the that audience or that demographic is of great interest to NASCAR and getting involved in these in these endurance races and in these road races like that is just a way for them to get in front of more fans. Speaking of doing that, Mike Neff with us here in the fast lane, NASCAR announcing that they may or not let me rephrase it. They didn't announce it. Reports have been <clears throat> leaked out that they might bring a cup race to Montreal. Um two-part question here. I know this is dreaded in sports journalism school, but whatever, we're doing it anyway. Um, one, is this an indication that it may not be the concept of the street race in Chicago, but there seems to be a lot of blowback from logistics of it that NASCAR may be exploring other avenues and markets and opportunities with how this thing seems to be going down. And if that is in fact the case, can you please make sure that they don't do this at least on the July 4th Independence Day week race where they would leave the country that particular weekend? Oh, my God. I I, I would hope that they are smart enough not to do that. That would oh – I mean, Ronald Reagan would turn over in his grave to, to see that happen. Um, but to be fair, I mean, the, the – the Canadian NASCAR series and the, the ACT series have run street races in Canada and specifically in Montreal for several years, and they have been very successful. And that's why when my good friend Matt Weaver and I argue about these street races all the time, he always refers to what great races they put on when they go to Montreal. So if you're going to do one, the experience and the, the infrastructure of Putting one on is already pretty well established in Montreal. So if you're going to do it, that would be a place to do it. But, yes, to be fair, if they are so blind as to not realize the importance of the 4th of July to America and specifically to NASCAR, after what we just saw on Memorial Day weekend, I don't know, I don't know what else you could possibly do. Well, that's one valid point that came up. And we'll wrap it up with Mike Neff of FrenchStretch.com, at least the NASCAR portion, with this part here. Speaking of schedules for NASCAR, this was a couple of weeks ago. WFMY, Frank Michael, yes, 
WFMY TV out of North Carolina got this nugget that came out and it's kind of flown under the radar, but the owner of Rockingham Speedway was commenting on the chances of NASCAR returning next year and saying, quote, I can't put a number to it. What I can say is that we are obviously in talks with everyone, everyone. I am very hopeful and very optimistic at this point, end quote. What do you make of that in terms of the real substance behind that, given that NASCAR went back to North Wilkesboro, Nashville Fairgrounds at some point could progress into a race as well? Is there hope that The Rock gets back in some capacity? Man, this is such a loaded question. Um, Nashville Fairgrounds is going to happen because SMI is behind it. So eventually that's going to going to occur. You have the COVID money that went into North Wilkesboro and Rockingham and Charlotte Motor Speedway. So they have resurfaced the track. But they've also torn down more of the stands. So from a seating capacity, I don't know that you have anything that could handle a cup-level race without reestablishing more seats. The other problem is, and this is my own personal opinion that I throw out every time people start talking about us coming back to Rockingham, is we were at Rockingham and none of you people showed up. So shut up. We're not going to get it because nobody shows up. There are 7 million people or more within a two-hour drive of Rockingham, and for the second truck race, Andy Hillenberg gave away 15,000 of the 30,000 tickets and still couldn't get the place half full. So until they get a truck race there that sells out repeatedly for three or four years, I don't see any chance of any other NASCAR-level stuff going there because the people simply don't support it. To be fair, the infrastructure is not really there. Trying to to make a weekend of going to Rockingham is hard because there's not a lot of hotel and hospitality kind of stuff there. So people pretty much have to drive in day of the race to do it. But at the same time, Kentucky didn't have that for years, and yet they sold out their Xfinity races forever. And Rockingham, they they simply haven't supported it. So, yes, I know this guy claims he's talking to everybody, and I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, unless they can land a truck race as a one-off and prove it year over year for four to five years, I don't see anything else happening at Rockingham at the NASCAR level. You know, it all boils down to whether fans support it, and if they do, it matters. But if not, it means there's not enough. Trey, cue up the soundbite that we're going to play. It's so appropriate. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. To quote a guy who once wrapped (laughs) up his career in Myrtle Beach, the aforementioned Kenny Powers. Trey. You're just getting all your your tidbits in. No doubt. We can't miss that opportunity. Playing all the hits. No doubt about it. Uh, Meanwhile, the fans that want to know whether Rockingham would be back on the schedule, the response from NASCAR is probably... So, we have to get the other redneck version of your bleeping out from Kenny Powers as well. Neff is not yet out of the fast lane, though. One more for you. We haven't spoken in a while... How are things going with the Racing Brotherhood Foundation? I see y'all at different events uh, across the region. How have things been going, though? Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle uh, just because, again, it's pretty much me doing it. And uh, my 
personal life, personal employment uh, schedule has really gotten in the way of me doing more events and getting out more. So it's I haven't been to the racetrack near as much this year as I should be. Uh, but we're still there. We're still doing it. We're still uh, trying to make things happen. Uh, I really still want to try to do a golf tournament during the Martinsville late model race. I'm going to be working really hard on that in the next couple months. And also, we will be doing the Monday after the Roval again this year at the Cabarrus Brewing Company, which is in Concord, North Carolina, the day after the Roval at Charlotte. Uh, Hopefully, trying to have some well-known podcasts potentially be there live for an event, which would be remarkable. Uh, so that's that, there's stuff still in the works, and I'm, I'm trying like heck to make it happen. It's just a matter of finding the time and the the people to make it all come together. Yeah, well, we wish you well with that, and obviously, please keep us posted on what we can do to help promote that. For sure, brother, and, and as always, it is always an honor to be on the fast lane. I appreciate you guys. You've let me do this for, for years coming on and being with you, and I just I appreciate it more than you will ever know. So thanks for the call, and hopefully we can do it again a little sooner than a year apart. Yes, indeed. It's always our pleasure. Mike Neff with us here in the fast lane, and really appreciate the kind words from he on behalf of the Racing Brotherhood Foundation. When we return, update on Lynchburg Hornet baseball, and yes, a couple of other questions quick hitters as well to discuss including some news and nuggets from the nfl this is the fast lane across the virginia talk radio network